for security? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thursday. Woo -woo. We made it. Today is Thursday, December 28th, 2023. This is episode number 524 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, I got news for you. Me, all the blue badges like Alana Boyajin, Matthew Necci, uh, Marcus Kyler, the entire elite crew, or excuse me, elite crew, elite. Yeet crew, led by the current chairman, Marcus Kyler. Senfilis, Laura Flores, Hillary Maloney, all the folks over on LinkedIn, all the folks over on YouTube, squad members, long timers, first timers, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I will be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So if you're looking to drive cyber risk reduction for your business, um, believe me, there's value here. Nobody knows everything in the industry. Absolutely not. So it requires constant vigilance of staying up to date, networking with others, sharing knowledge, finding out who's an expert at AWS or Android mobile pen testing. So when you come up against those kind of situations, you've got resources, right? That's what we're doing here. And if you're looking to break into the industry, I got news for you. You will be asked in any job interview, are you a member of the Yeet crew? I'm just kidding. You'll be asked in any single job interview, or how do you stay current in the industry? You will get asked that question, believe me. And the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief is a fantastic answer. We're going over the top stories, the current stories, being aware we're not limited to one industry or one you know geographical segment. We are inclusive and supportive, even when it comes to our cyber news. So uh, listen up, stay in here, and... Let's all have a good time. Plus, uh, if you're trying to break into the industry, I've told you a million times, networking is so, so valuable. I gave a talk with James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet over at Wild West Hackenfest uh, last uh, or this year, a couple months ago, on how to do networking. That's how strong I believe it is uh, valid, vitally important uh, to, to success in the industry and, and pivoting around and getting jobs, even if you're in the industry, frankly, switching jobs. Uh, is, is vital. Uh, just a reminder, I don't go through any of the stories or review them or prep in any way prior to this. So you're getting me rough, rugged and raw, wild and exposed like a uh, like an open electrical circuit or whatever. I don't know. I got to get some more of this coffee going through me before my metaphors make sense. Hold on one second. Mm, it's so good. It is so good. Thank you. Shout out to um, Brett Mason with his uh, coffee. Wow, that's good. 
All right. What do I want to tell you guys? Oh, really quickly, uh, before I get into the stories, let me talk about the show's sponsors, starting with Panopsi Cyber, panopsi.com. Get a partner who understands your cybersecurity program and goals. Uh, basically, Panopsi, if you are running an InfoSec program and you're a little short on uh, person power, you're a little short on... Um, you know, strategic skill set, right? Like it's it's not a shade, it's not a shame. Like sometimes you're responsible for IT and information security, lucky you. Uh, and you need a little bit more help. You need a little bit of, hey, I just need, I could execute a plan. I just need someone to give me a reasonable plan to execute, panopsi.com. Hey, uh, we heard that tabletops are really valuable to do. The CEO went to a conference and they said, we should be doing tabletops. How the hell do I do that? Sorry, Kennedy. Panopsi.com. They can do it. Okay. So check them out at Panopsi.com. Also shout out to Anti-Siphon Training. They are disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high quality cutting edge education, regardless to everyone, regardless of financial position, i.e. you can pay $0 in some instances and get high quality education. Go to the links in the description below. Specifically, we've got uh you can go and see their calendar of training, but on the links below, in end of January 24, first week of February 24, John Strand himself, the OG legend uh, and really, really good guy, is ho is giving two in-person, you could take it virtually, but live four-day classes twice, active defense and cyber deception, and then SOC core skills. You just saw him on both um on screen here. It's amazing. It's amazing. I've taken the active defense cyber deception, such a, such a great class. And uh, John Strand is such a great educator. Go to the links below and check them out. Definitely. And then obviously barricade cyber, but we'll cover them at the mid roll. I do want to take a hot minute and uh, let everyone know that each episode of the daily cyber threat briefing. And by the way, Leon Elliott with the gifted subs, thank you uh, for the gifted subs. And if you're one of the five people, who just became newly minted squad members. Holla, holla, holla. Love it, love it, love it. All right, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is half a CPE, so be sure to say what's up in chat or hashtag yeet. Um, and take a screenshot, basically, file it away, and then at, when you ever got a roll for uh, CPEs, you just count number of files and multiply it by 0.5. If you don't know what to say, if you're live with us here or on replay, hashtag Team SC. You are a member of the Simply Cyber community, hashtag Team SC for Simply Cyber. Finally, 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 two things before we get into the news. One, if today is your first episode, if you stumbled in here or someone told you about it and it was appointment viewing, either end of those spectrums, it doesn't matter. You're here now. You're watching this on replay. We are so happy to have you. I hope you enjoy the show. Let us know that you're here for the first time with a hashtag First timer in chat, we have a special sound effect and a special emote for first timers that we like to share. It's all in good fun, and I think you'll enjoy it. So let us know if it's your first timer. Uh, and then finally, 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 I do want to share an update to the community. Uh, many of you know Eric Taylor, uh, CEO at Barricade Cyber. His son has been, uh, we shared this on stream, so I'm not revealing any PHI or anything. His uh, son on stream had... Uh, went in for uh, open heart uh, transplant uh, earlier this week. And it's been radio silent. I didn't want to reach out to Eric because I can only imagine how focused he is on these things. 
So he posted an update on social media yesterday. Um, I read it. Um, it the good the TLDR. I'm I'm dropping the po- social media post in chat right now. If you're on YouTube, you should be able to click on it. Hopefully, if not, mods, can you post it? But here's the deal. The TLDR is Hunter is um, through surgery, and now the doctors are monitoring it to see if the heart takes. Obviously, op- heart transplants are not a trivial, you know while you wait type activity, right? It's not like you pick up some while you're at the store. Like it's a massive, massive surgery. Very, very complicated. Eric and Hunter have an amazing team. Uh, it's he, some of you may not know this. Eric lives right around where I live and the medical university where he's getting the service done is where I used to work for like six years. And they have a phenomenal team, a phenomenal clinical team, award-winning um, Hunter's doing great. Um, he's making the steps he's supposed to be making. They're seeing positive progress, but it is a long period from surgery to like thumbs up. So just if you, hearts and prayers, if you're, if you're religious and you pray, send some prayers. If you're just good vibes, send good vibes, take a minute. Uh, Hunter strong. Thank you, uh, Eric. And I encourage you to go comment on the post and, uh, let Eric know, that you're uh, sending those good vibes and sending those prayers to um, Hunter. Okay. Let's go ahead and get into the news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Thursday, December 28th, 2023. I'm Rich Straffolino. Threat actors install backdoor on Barracuda appliances. The company revealed that Chinese-linked threat actors exploited a zero-day vulnerability in its email security gateway appliances, or ESG. This resulted in deployed backdoors on a limited number of devices. The attacks used a code execution flaw on the open-source Spreadsheets Parse Excel library. Mandiant tied the attacks to UNC 4841, which it linked to previous exploits against Barracuda hardware earlier this year. The company deployed an automatic security update to resolve the issue on December 21st, so no other customer action is required. The flaw in the spreadsheet library remains unpatched, though, so this may cause more downstream issues over time. All right. So this is good. Also, really. Oh, my God. Why? Why is this uh, browser messed up? All right. uh, Really quick. I saw a super chat come in. Priceless pancake. Best friends. Yep. Thank you, Priceless Pancake, and appreciate the hashtag Team Hunter. We are all one community here. <clears throat> also, for the first timers, Billion Aco, we're going to give you the sound effect in the thing. It's hashtag first timer, Billion. Welcome to the party, pal. Uh, Chin, Chin Mee, over on LinkedIn, first timer. And Sharon K over on YouTube. What's up? Hashtag Team SE and first timer. Super happy to have you. And I'm going to drop the uh, Bruce Willis. Welcome to the party, pal. Emotes all up in your face. I love it. All right. So check it out. Barracuda. Uh, Email security gateway. Listen, here's the deal. You absolutely should have an email security gateway. Now, if you're outsourcing your email to Office 365 or M365. Whoa. Hey, Dewan Calloway coming in hot, hot, hot on LinkedIn. Passing that sec plus exam. Congratulations, Daywan. Killing it. On to the next one. Super pumped for you. 
Um, so here's the deal. You absolutely, if you're not running, if you're running email and you're not running it through a security gateway, please, please don't change that right away. Hey, what's up, Rob Navarro? <clears throat> please change that. Now, if you are using some third-party hosted solution like Google uh, Workspaces or Office 365, guess what? You've got email security gateway baked in, Exchange Online Protection and whatever, I guess Gmail for business or whatever they're calling it. But if you are running your own and you have this Barracuda email security gateway, that's fine. That's fine. Good on you for running your own stuff, right? Don't want, don't want, um, I don't know. There are reasons why you wouldn't want to run it through M365. Maybe you have sensitive information. Maybe you don't trust Microsoft uh, with your secrets, right? Like if you're sharing email and stuff, uh, that, that's confidential. Although you could just use encryption, honestly, and get around that. But, but, Email security gateways are just technology. And this is a clever bit of hacking. So there is a zero day. It says it, it says in the story that a limited number of instances have happened. Makes sense because I'm sure the Chinese, which are amazing at espionage, if, if, if you're looking for like, I'd like to learn espionage, uh, look no further than China. They're like, uh, you know, <laughs> they're the leader in the in the clubhouse for sure. But the deal is, when you send an email with an attachment, modern email security gateways will scan the attachment to see if it's malware, right? Sounds like a good feature. I want some of that. I'll take two. The problem is the scanning engine has a flaw in it. If you send a specific spreadsheet that's maliciously loaded, when it scans the spreadsheet, it will end up executing code because it exploits a vulnerability in the scanning engine. And the back the hackers, um, you know, whatever it does, the email security gateway, they they get some type of code execution on it, and it probably I'm guessing at this point, but it probably reaches back with like a reverse shell to the Chinese hackers in uh, allowing them access into the security gateway, right? Because guys, you got to remember, an email security gateway, it's just a computer that does a really specific thing. It probably runs a variant of Linux, so. You get in and now you got a box that's connected to the network. You can start looking at all the email traffic, looking at who's sending who to who, stopping email traffic, uh, doing malicious insertions. Not that this is in China's TTPs or playbook, but the uh, the classic business email compromise where you make an adjustment to an accounting number in flight of an email. So they send the, e the money to the wrong bank account when they're paying an invoice. All these things are kind of on the table. So TLDR, if you're running your own email security gateway, I don't like good on you, but you're adding additional management and burden, frankly, and you need to manage that burden. You need to patch it. There it is. Ah, you gotta patch it. You gotta patch it. Um, again, I, you know, I don't know who's buying Barracuda and Fortinet and QNAP and Zixel devices for their businesses, but you know, I guess try to go to the uh, try to go to the to the to the executives and just be like, can't we just can't we just like pay a little bit more? Maybe do like one less catered lunch this this month and and like you know get get Palo Alto <laughs> or get you know Gigamon or you know what I mean like get a tier one. All right, here we go. By the way, I just got to tell you really quickly, like how insane is the level of research that must have gone in to find this bug. Because they'd have to get the email security gateway. Then they'd have to reverse engineer it. Then they'd have to find the scanning engine. 
they'd even have to come up with the idea of attacking the scanning engine, right? Oh, like, hey, the scanning engine, we can, it will always run. So like, we should find an exploit there. Then finding an exploit in there, then successfully having the exploit hit. Not just because you find a vulnerability and have an exploit doesn't mean it always hits, right? That's like a, a myth. Believe me, any lab I've ever done, like it, it hits like once every 10 times. So this is clever. This is top end research. And by the way, when we talk about APTs, when we talk about APTs, this is what a sophisticated threat actor can do. This level of discovery and um, efficient payload development. Uh, let's see. Uh, ballers on a budget. Luke Canfield says, somebody said they run Barracuda ESG. Who said it? Do, 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 do. I just saw it in the... Oh, Brian Peak's running Barracuda. Brian Peak, a squad member. And uh, Brian Peak, I'm going to go ahead and drop a, drop this story in here at Brian Peak. Brian, please get get it patched, buddy. I, I again, I don't know if this applies to you, Brian. Um, the version you're running, but uh, it's under active exploitation, so of course this should be something you want to get right on top of. In fact, if you want to pause the video, Brian, we'll be here when you get back. Um, final final thing, you got to remember too, your external internet facing um network and devices, th th that should be a major priority. Anyone can hit it from anywhere in the world. Email gateways, they're called gateways, gateways. They are the gateway to the internet for your email, right? So um, unless you're using it for internal memo routing, but no one really does that. So anyways, all right, let's go. iPhone triangulation exploit used undocumented features. Researchers at Kaspersky reverse engineered the Operation Triangulation spyware attack. Holy crap. I just had coffee in my mouth and almost spit it on my screen. First of all, Musfara, first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. But let's take a moment for Eddie. Great news. I just landed my first job. Tech sport admin. The sport got from the community was invaluable. I came in like the rain. Yeah, Eddie. Yes. Nice job, Eddie. Congratulations. Big pumps. 2024 is going to be amazed. Love it. Love it. Love it. Great work, man. All right. It's impacting iPhones. It initially discovered the zero-click campaign back in June, but found evidence the attack chain began back in 2019. The threat actors start the exploit chain with a malicious iMessage attachment. Part of the attack chain uses an undocumented MMIO register in Apple Silicon, going all the way back to the A12 Bionic CPU. The attackers use these registers to control direct memory access during the attack. It's unclear if Apple used this undocumented feature for something like debugging or if developers just left it in by mistake. Wow. Okay. Um, Jesus. So there's a lot to unpack here, okay? Um, so this attack uses four zero days. Zero day meaning like a, a undiscovered bug. Four zero days. One of them, is, or one or part of them, one or many of them, I'm not sure yet on this, um, leverages undocumented features in the Apple Silicon chips to bypass hardware-based security. I just told you how good China is at espionage and then the level of sophistication an APT needs in order to discover a Barracuda ESG, um, like scanning load uh, vulnerability. This also, this is on, this, this, this attack chain, this discovery, four zero days, the way to use it, undocumented features. 
This is legit, um, legit research. Hold on one second. This is legit. Um, now let me just look at here. I, I'm asking really quickly, BSEC, if this this was patched in July or not. Um. Okay, cool. All right. So the good news is that this has been patched. So I feel like it's very easy with iOS. Um, Apple's iOS, Cisco was there first, but Apple's iOS, it's very easy to stay current, right? So if you're running a current iPhone, if your executives are running the current iPhone, which they are, um, just make sure that it stays up to date and patched. Typically, Apple's pretty good about like locking really cool features into um, updates. So like people are motivated, people who are not cyber people are motivated to apply the updates because they want the new emoji keyboard or whatever. Thank you, Apple. Um, so this isn't a problem for me. The, the real story here for people who are really passionate about cybersecurity is what this actually was. Dude, four zero days chained together in order to execute remote code execution and privilege escalation on an iPhone. That is like NSO group level. That is NSA, you know, equation group level. This is not, you know, two dudes in a garage somewhere. Although I, I say that, but at the same time, if they're former NSA operators, they probably could do it. Um, another interesting thing is that Kaspersky, Kaspersky is the one who revealed this, but they revealed it because they found it in their own network. Uh, and actually accused Apple of providing the NSA with the backdoor information. Now, this is another interesting angle, right? An undocumented feature is really hard to see, okay? Listen, real quick, okay? Like, when you're dealing with um, Python code, right, or PowerShell, if there's an undocumented feature, what that means is that when you go to the GitHub page or you download the user manual or the APK, um, APK, the uh, SDK or the API documentation, right? When you're looking at the Intel for developers to use to interface with the system and stuff, that is the documentation. Now, it's completely possible, and it happens all the time, where let's say that the documentation has 50 functions or 50 API calls, but in reality, the code itself has 51. With interpreted programs like Python and PowerShell-based scripted languages, it's very easy to see the source code and be like, hey, what's this, you know, um, you know, NAS, NAS Angel account or something like that. I, I found like a hidden uh, user account on a Zixel firmware way back in the day, right? Like, what is this? It's undocumented. Now, when you're dealing with compiled programs, right, that like what we're seeing here, you have to revert, you have to like disassemble the code, which if you've ever seen Ida or Ghidra or Binary Ninja, these are all applications that help typically malware researchers and uh, software exploitation researchers, so offensive and defensive professionals, find software vulnerabilities in code. When you look at disassembled code, you're not looking at easy to read things. It's very much, well, first of all, it's an assembly. So that's number one. It's, a, it's um, you have to know assembly to kind of figure out what you're looking at. And second of all, what I typed into the program and hit compile and what the compiler compiled into code, when you reverse it, it doesn't look the same because the compiler is doing all sorts of things like, 
um, optimization for memory, optimization for flow and stuff like that. So like, it's not one-to-one when you uh, compile versus decompile. So what I want to point out is to find four zero days in this undocumented features is bananas. And for Russia to immediately accuse Apple of cohorting with NSA on this is is honestly not that far-fetched. It's not that ridiculous. Now, the Apple has come out in years past and said they're not going to give the FBI a backdoor into their iPhones and stuff. So it would seem a little strange for the Apple to give the NSA a capability that would allow them to basically root any phone. Uh, but who knows? You know, strange things happen. Um, all right. So I'm, I'm just reading chat right now. Uh, mod chat is curating things for me really quickly. Casually Joseph said, it's a chain of exploits. If I understand the volume correctly, it won't affect iOS versions beyond 16.2. Yeah. I don't think the story, here's the thing. I don't think the story here is about, um, current risk and threat landscape to us. To me, the story is about, this is a major, this would be like a track one, day one black hat talk like this research. Okay. Um, it's a zero click exploit, which is exactly why Pegasus from NSO group is so gnarly. Um, but it just, it, it, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like we, if you want, we could talk about it at jaw jacking, but like to do this is incredibly sophisticated. Like you need deep research in a team of people who are specialized in different things. One, you like, and this is the final thing and then I'll move on because I'm really hanging on these stories here. One, you have to be able to reverse it and read it and understand it. Two, you have to be able to write exploit code that's robust enough and, and like not brittle to be able to run on the regular and hopefully minimize detection, right? If I, if I just puke on your iPhone and it gives me remote code execution. I, ooh, I rooted your phone, but your phone is covered in puke. Like you're like, what happened to my phone? This is a problem, obviously, right? So there's a lot of expertise and a lot of elegance that needs to be done here. Um, not crude smash and grab. New York Times starts the publisher LLM lawsuits. The vaunted publisher filed a lawsuit against OpenAI and Microsoft, claiming that ChatGPT and other large language models trained on millions of its articles, often generating verbatim excerpts of its content. The Times claims billions of dollars in damages. The lawsuit also claims it approached both companies to reach an amicable resolution before filing legal action. While other groups of authors and individual creators have filed lawsuits against LLM providers, this marks the first case brought by a major publisher. All right, so this should come as no surprise. Shall we play a game? Here's this should come as no surprise, dude. The way that the LLMs, your chat GPTs, really quickly, the way that they're being trained, literally, like these businesses are just harvesting all the public information on the internet. Uh, spoiler, um, from what I've heard from people who do this, uh, I, I actually like talk to a guy who works at MIT in the AI um, lab, like wicked smart dude. Um, and he said like, it's, it's like mostly United States related content on the internet, but it is like, like 75 us 25 uh, world. So first of all, there's your, there's biases already implemented, but two, if the New York times has a, 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 like this story right here from the hacker news, boom, Chinese hackers zero day exploited in Barracuda ESG appliances. 
Um, somebody in the newsroom there got paid to write that story. If you ask ChatGPT, you know, in six months when they update their content, um, to tell you about Barracuda ESG or make up a story or like you're making a pretend newspaper and they write this exact article, that really is not okay. That's not okay because that's copyright, right? And there are laws on the books for it. This is going to be a really, really um, dicey uh, situation because in reality, um, I, I don't know if it was scraping uh, articles behind paywalls. If it was, I mean, that's even further uh, of, of a problem. I, I do think that this is going to be a major issue. I don't think this is going to slow down AI research. Uh, but this could kneecap and, and hinder um, the, the 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 effectiveness of these AI bots. If I had to guess, okay, here we go. Tin foil hat, tin foil hat, tin foil hat. Again, if you guys know me for a minute, I I didn't research this story. Here's what I think. Immediately, this is what I thought. Great cash, homie. The New York Times is suing Microsoft and OpenAI because they've been wronged, right? But what will happen, hot take, hot, take, hot take central here, what will happen is Microsoft, OpenAI, whoever else develops these LLM tools will sign a license agreement with the New York Times for a billion dollars, $200 million, $384 million, whatever, whatever. They will sign a license agreement. There'll probably be some type of like associated press news coalition that they'll sign the license with and then this won't this will go away right new york times isn't interested in suing for um you know uh being made whole they're interested in getting money and i'm telling you like this is this is what's going to happen because there's no way new york times the microsoft open ai all these people are going to like go through and curate uh, the news stories. The only other option I will point out, and this is the other thing I thought of, was like if Microsoft and OpenAI was like, "Fine, we're sorry. Here's like a little, here's some like crumbs off the table for you," and uh, then they asked ChatGPT to rewrite the story before making it available to end users. Right? ChatGPT has the capability to rephrase stories, so you'll never get a verbatim story. You'll never be able to claim it's a copyright because it's been reinterpreted by ChatGPT. They have the technology to already to do it. They just have to basically recursively feed it through one more time. So I don't know, New York Times. Like I, I hear you. I would go for it too, but be careful. Um, be careful um, and don't you know cut your nose off to spite your face. Um, BSEC saying, uh, when you ask about current events, ChatGPT will sometimes generate verbatim excerpts, which can be accessed without paying for a subscription. Yeah. Well, I don't know how it's getting through the paywall, but you know, weird, weirder stuff's happened or, or they, you know, they spent the eight bucks a month for a paywall so they could just get more data. I'm telling you, I have said data is the new gold and like, it's never been more apparent than in the race to AI develop AI. Anti-stalking protocol for AirTags proposed. Since their introduction, small trackers like AirTags have raised concerns about their use against unwitting third parties, essentially stalking. Both iOS and Android introduced notifications about unpaired AirTag trackers in close proximity for a significant amount of time as a mitigation. 
Now, researchers at the University of California, San Diego, and John Hopkins University developed a cryptographic scheme that will both better find illicitly placed air tags and preserve legitimate user privacy. This includes a method of secret sharing that allows for reconstructing a true static device identity. This is combined with error correction coding that allows for reconstructing those secrets when in a noisy environment. Think like when you have a lot of other air tags around. Currently, AirTags rotate device IDs on AirTags every 24 hours. The researchers submitted their paper to Apple and a wider industry consortium, although no word on any plans to implement it. All right. So the original story was a wired story, but it's behind a paywall and I'm not ChatGPT, so I can't somehow scrape behind it. I, I, I'm just human. I serve the digital overlords. Um, here's the deal. Apple AirTags, like the second they came out, it was like, Day one, someone's like, oh, I found my luggage. Day two, like some creepy stalker's like, oh, I found my target. So like this has been a problem since day two uh, when these things came out for tracking. Uh, shout out to Apple. They continue to push the fold on um, researching how to make it a useful tool to people who are not into being criminals, but somehow nerfing the or buff, uh, nerfing the capability for those who would like to use them for, you know, malicious intent. The rotating of the air tags is cool, kind of like refreshing them that way. Uh, I mean, that doesn't help though, if like some creep drops it in your uh, purse or your pocket or whatever, uh, slaps it on your car at the concert or at the club, and then follows you home that night. Like that's not going to help you. And a uh, very, very scary situation, obviously. That's why I'm so glad that they are doing research. I do honestly feel like I mean, it's easy for me to say because I haven't been personally impacted, but I do feel like they're moving a little slow with trying to curb this particular risk. I also don't know if this is a real risk or if this is just kind of like isolated pockets of like, you know, one or two people in New York City in 2023 were targeted by creeps with air tags. So I, I don't know if this is a massive problem, a major problem, but it's a problem. And I'm, I really appreciate um Apple trying to force, you know, force this and work this. So anyways, yeah. in in the club, like I was going to do some dancing, but nobody wants that. So. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Don't let ransomware ruin the holidays again this year. Prepare and spread holiday cheer with recoverfromransomware.com. The trusted DFIR experts at Barricade Cyber Solutions have saved 3,000 and counting businesses from ransomware attacks, including small and medium businesses just like yours. Barricade Cyber is your solution for rapid data and systems recovery. Book a meeting directly with the CEO to discover how to recover from ransomware. Visit recoverfromransomware.com. All right. So really quickly, I, I appreciate a couple things here. One says, John L says he used to be a former Apple support rep and it's actually a big problem. So John, thanks for giving us context on that. And um, I like Valentino saying he uses AirTags to uh, put on his AirTags. <laughs> That's funny. And then finally, um, Random Identity says, if you search for the article, you can get past it on the paywall. That's, I don't know. Wired Magazine's pretty good about, um, watch, they give you this and you're like, oh yeah, cool. And then you start looking at it. Oh, there it is. Like you, they give you like a little taste. They're like, Hey, first one's free. And then they jam this up in your grill. So unfortunately it couldn't, couldn't rock that. 
Um, but that's okay. All right, Barricade Cyber continuing to crush it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, let me uh, do this really quickly. Hey, for all you first timers, this is what we do at the mid roll every day. Also, it's Thursday, so we got meme of the week. You're gonna love it. Hey, 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 hey! All right, everybody. I know we're running a few minutes late. I went long on the first two stories, but I, I don't know. I was just feeling it. That's what you get with the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. A different experience every day. Thanks and shout out to the stream sponsors starting for, uh, thank you, starting with Barricade Cybers, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, if you're getting value from the, from the show, from the stream, if you're here on the reg, do me a favor, hit the like button on the YouTube uh, YouTube. Okay. Here's why for you first timers. Here's why you may have found the show because yesterday people hit the like button. I'm, I don't care. I don't count how many likes I don't like, I don't have a mug or a little led clock that counts my likes in the background. Literally it triggers the YouTube algorithm to tell other people searching for cybersecurity content on YouTube, that this cyber show is something that other cyber people are into. So it's basically like a force multiplier to help YouTube understand what we're doing here. So do me a favor, take 30 seconds, pay it forward, and help the next person tomorrow find the show for the first time. Rich Palmer, Rich Palmer, it doesn't appear to be in chat, but let me tell you, Rich Palmer is the current baton holder for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. If you would like to build your professional network for five minutes a day, and I'm probably being, I'm being, like very conservative by saying five minutes if you want them five minutes a day two weeks time guarantee you have a stronger more valuable professional network check it out okay all you got to do is this super easy go on linkedin search for this hashtag so far so good okay we created this hashtag we've pushed it into linkedin this is a thing that will show up you search for it Look for people who posted with it. Those are the baton holders. We've had like 200 at this point. Rich Palmer is yesterday's baton holder. Rich went on LinkedIn and told his cyber story and used the hashtag simply cyber community challenge so we could find him. We then read his story, got to meet Rich, comment on his story. I commented on it. I was already connected with Rich, so I didn't need to connect with him. But I connected with him and anyone in the comments. Okay, so here's here's the deal. Go on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag, connect with the poster, comment on the post, connect with the commenters. That's five minutes of active work a day. Now, the rest of the time, the next person who comes in, when they connect with the people in comments, guess what? They're going to connect with you. You're going to be passively building your professional network with like-minded cyber professionals like offline, like it will be building itself. And like I said, 10 new connections today, 10 tomorrow. It, it, it's a slow moving train, but guess what? In two weeks time, when you have like 200, 300 really great cybersecurity professional connections, you're going to notice your feed changes on LinkedIn. You're going to notice more content that matters to you and delivers value. Believe me, spend five minutes a day, start investing in yourself and in your career. Rich Palmer, let us know if you're in chat and tag somebody. If not, I will tag somebody and be looking for volunteers. Okay, hey, every single Thursday is Dan Reardon's meme of the week. Dan Reardon is um, haircut fish in chat. He makes a custom meme. He's been doing it for years for the show. Now, I'm a huge Weezer fan. The Blue Album's my favorite. 
And if you're right uh, uh, familiar with it, you'll know what this is. But Dan made this up. Great work, Dan. Right? Tied to the Simple Minds La 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 La, too. Very nice. All right, guys. Thanks so much, Dan. I love this. It cracks me up. Hilarious. Iconic album cover and now iconic meme. Way to go. All right. I see Lee Mueller in chat. Lee Mueller, you got the baton. Let's go. All right. Let's get back to the news, y'all. Japan to regulate third-party app stores. Nikkei Asia's sources say Japanese legislators began preparing regulations to require Google and Apple to allow third-party payments and app stores on their mobile platforms. Under these regulations, the Japan Fair Trade Commission could impose fines for violations, and Japanese antitrust law allows for fines of up to 6% of annual revenue for violations. The exact requirements of what platforms will need to comply is still under debate, but plans call for a high enough bar not to encumber any Japanese platforms. The legislation should go to Parliament in 2024. All right. Uh, slightly related, but not really cybersecurity. But at the end of the day, you know what this story is? I know it's filed under technology, but allow me to file it under the correct category. Straight cash, homie. The straight cash, homie category. Apple and Google App Stores, they have monopolies. Apple definitely has a monopoly on their App Store, right? Um, Google, you can download weird stuff and put things there. And Carl always does, but, but it is, uh, you know, it, it's for your security, right? Hey, little, little, per I went and saw the movie migration recently. You know what I mean? Apple's like, don't leave this pond. Don't leave this little, our backyard. You're not allowed to leave it. And guess what? If you don't leave the backyard, there's no way a wolf's going to eat you. There's no way a car's going to run over you, or there's very little chance that a car will run over you or a wolf will eat you. You're protected. And that sounds really good. And it does protect our end users. But at the same time, it does control the flow of cash money Great cash, homie. right into Apple. This is why Fortnite got taken off of the Apple iOS uh, platform uh, because Epic was like, why are you taking a taste of our money, Apple? We're, we're the ones working our butt off. All you're doing is serving up our app. And uh, it, it really gets into money. So now Japan is prepping regulations that will basically impact Apple and Google's ability to kind of monopolize uh, the payment gateways. Now, I don't know if this means that Apple will have to unlock a store in Japan that's outside of Apple's control or just allow uh, payments on their mobile operating systems. I, I don't understand the payments part because like I use Venmo and PayPal, uh, et cetera, on my iPhone. So like the payment engine's fine. Uh, maybe it's for like, no, I mean, cause even like, I, I don't know, maybe it's about how you pay. Like when you download an app and you like purchase through the, uh, Apple iOS, but I don't know. Long story short, this is all about straight cash, homie. If this was China, Apple would absolutely bend the knee. Uh, it's Japan, which still has a huge market share, but not nearly as powerful as like, say the European union or China. It's all about numbers. Here's the deal. Like TLDR, again, this isn't a cyber story, but I do dabble in business. Here's the story. Apple and Google are going to send a fleet of lawyers to lobby and basically buy their way out of this by... I, it's You can't pay off... You can't technically pay off uh, 
politicians and lawmakers. That's typically illegal. I assume it's illegal in Japan as well. But you can certainly grease them, right? You can grease them all up and down with baby oil. You can make their next political campaign funded by Apple. You can hook them up to like trips and stuff. Oh, hey, we want to fly you out to Cupertino to show you what's up. Stay in a five-star resort, whatever, right? Like you can grease them all up and down. Um, and typically, you know, come to some type of agreement that works for everybody. Apple's going to look at what it, and Google are going to look at what it's going to cost to do all of that versus what it will cost to lose market share in Japan. Because Apple, dude, Apple and Google, they're Fortune 5 companies. They could pull up stakes and be like, you know what? We're no longer available in Japan. Sorry. Tell like, dear Japanese citizens, please write your lawmakers and tell them that they did this. If you want Apple back, reverse that legislation. Those are my opinions on this. Those are my opinions on this. That's what they're going to do, right? So ransomware group claims to have Nissan data. Nissan already confirmed an unauthorized third party accessed its systems in Australia and New Zealand last week. At the time, it said it was still determining what information the threat actors accessed. Now, the ransomware group Akira took credit for the attack, saying it stole roughly 100 gigabytes of data, including personal information on employees and corporate files. The group plans to begin leaking data in the coming days, indicating Nissan did not pay a ransom. Okay, uh, welcome to... Um, <laughs> I would cover this story yesterday, so it's it's always a little frustrating. I don't, I don't know if... if the normal person doesn't consume everyday stories and stuff like that. So when they have duplicates, it's a little something, but uh, TLDR uh, for this one, manufacturing highly targeted by ransomware. Akira, really cool threat actor name. Also, I would say tier two. You don't hear a lot, a lot about them, but when they do hit, they hit hard. And Nissan told them to pound sand. So Akira is trying to um, sell their compromised data on the dark web in order to make a little bit of cashish. GitHub warns of 2FA deadline. The prominent code repository sent emails to users warning that all of them must enable two-factor authentication. Oh my God, you, uh, all of you in chat, I see you uh, really focused on the baby oil. Like I'm not, get your mind out of the gutter. What are we talking about here? I'm just saying baby oil is, is slippery, right? And if we're going to grease them up, right? We need a slippery um, you know, viscosity, something with like a, 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 a high viscosity, right? We need something super slippery. My word. This is a family show. I agree with you, Marcus Kyler. <laughs> January 19th or see limited functionality on the site. The warning also appears when logging in. The requirement only impacts github.com. So there's going to be no impact to business or enterprise accounts. If you don't enroll, there won't be any apparent changes to existing personal access tokens, SSH keys, or apps. But if you make changes or want to add new ones, it will require 2FA. GitHub gave users plenty of notice on this, initially announcing a 2FA requirement by the end of 2023 back in May. All right, here we go. Check it out. Um, <laughs> it's GitHub, huge platform requiring 2FA. Thank you. Thank you. Why? Like this should say in like the variable, get, like it should say business variable in brackets and they just rotate through a list. Everybody should be warning their users that they will be requiring 2FA soon. 
here is the deal. Rolling out MFA, I've done it at businesses. It's a huge pain in the A. You can send out a thousand emails. You could visit everybody's desk. You're going to get some set of people who snooze the alarm, snooze the alert, delete the email, don't read the email, like whatever. You're going to get a flood of calls on the day that you hit the little slider in the in the uh, admin portal that says required 2FA. Help desk support. They're going to get a slew of calls. I can't log in. What's going on? Oh. It doesn't work. I'm trying to do these things. What is this? What's this 2FA? Did you read any of the emails? I don't know what you're talking about. Did you see any of the messages? Yes, I did, but I didn't know what it was. I ignored it. It didn't seem relevant to me. Yes, well, it was. The only way, literally, the only way to get 100%, well, 100% compliance with exceptions that are documented, because you will never get 100% of accounts on MFA, that's, that you, that's impossible, is to slide the required slider and just deal with the pain of the next week. Yeah, exactly. What what announcement? What email? Uh, this is the deal. Like, this is the deal. So GitHub's doing everything they can. There's going to be an A load of people who like or get logged out, and they're like, oh, I can't log back in. What's going on? I've been hacked. It's going to happen, right? So um, good on GitHub. They're doing all the things that they're supposed to to alert users about this impending thing, making it easy to transition on. Uh, but just know, rolling out two FA is. It's simple. Like if you look at the slide, you know, the the PowerPoint, it's like all you do is slide this button required. All users are required. Now it's in place. Oh yeah, that's cool. That's super easy. Like let's do two of them. Okay. No. No, 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 no. You get people who are like, I'm not installing that app on my phone. Hell no, I'm not touching that. Or I I'm a sales guy in the field. I'm walking into a client meeting and I can't log in. What did you do? Like, okay, sales guy, did you see the emails? Also, also, fun fact, and then I'll move on to the next story. If you're going to roll out 2FA, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but guess what? It's just reality. You have to do what is essentially called concierge service for the executive team. You have to go to the executives. You have to take their device from them. You have to enroll their device into 2FA, all the, you know, all the devices and everything, all the accounts. And then hand it back to them and then make them feel comfortable with it. Okay. Like I'm just telling you, it'll save you a headache. It, it'll buy you a little bit of political capital. It certainly won't lose you political capital. Uh, but be careful because if you do give concierge service, that executive will probably DM you or text you directly next time they have a technical problem. And all of a sudden, that executive is basically like a family member at Thanksgiving having computer issues. So I know it's tough to tell them to open a, a ticket, but all these things are realities. Please warn of European skimmer infections. Europol and 17 law enforcement agencies in the block worked to identify infected e-commerce sites, advising it found over 400 with active card <laughs> skimmer infections. This doesn't appear as a coordinated effort by one threat actor, with law enforcement finding a variety of active skimmers stealing account and card information from otherwise legitimate sites. Europol warned consumers that they might not see an impact from a skimmer attack right away, as this data is generally sold to other threat actors. Group IB assisted Europol in this investigation, saying it identified 132 skimmer families to date. Nice. Rem nice. Regular. 
I love it. Let's get our Chief Wiggum on. Way to go, law enforcement. I do love a good law enforcement. And way to way to finish it strong. Uh, be careful of the uh, these threat actor groups. Angry Beaver leading the charge here. Um, although these are in alphabetical order, so I'm sure this is pulled from some type of sorted list. Um, here's the deal. I love that law enforcement in 17 countries coordinated together. I love coordinated law enforcement activities. I love it. I love it. I love it. Dude, it's the same thing as like coordinated cybersecurity defenses like ISACs or even the, this community right here. Like sharing knowledge in a secure way helps all of us, right? Law enforcement's discovered more than 400 online merchants infected with skimmers. The skimmers are basically JavaScript. So it's a little piece of code that gets installed on the site and, and basically, when you put in your credit card and stuff and you do a transaction, you still get to buy your yoga mat. But the threat actor has basically skimmed like a adversarial in the middle keystroke logging type thing has still skimmed your credentials because the job. Here's the thing. JavaScript executes locally on the browser instance. So JavaScript's running on your machine, your application, your thing. So when you're putting information into a website that is on your box, the JavaScript can sniff it before it gets encrypted through TLS, SSL, whatever you, whatever faction you're part of, and sends it over the internet securely to the server, right? So, um, well, the merchant, hold on, the merchants are infected. Hold on. So what I just said is true. That can happen. But now it's saying that the merchants were infected. So let me just quickly understand where the... Th this is why I need an infographic here. Um, so the website's been infected with, well, no, 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 this is right. So the website, okay, so I'm right. The website is infected with the JavaScript sniffer, but it's executing the JavaScript locally on your box when you put in the, in the uh, information in the text fields, okay? So that's what it is. Way to go, 400 people taking, uh, 400 uh, affected merchants able to reverse back to a known good thing. I will say, honestly, you don't see, at least I don't see this type of cyber crime that often anymore. A lot, this used to be huge in like the um, mid 2000 uh, teens, like 2012, 2013, 14, the target breach. If you're familiar, that's a seminal a cybersecurity event. You can Google it, the target breach. Most people focus on how the threat actors got in. Spoiler, they got in through like the HVAC company and then went through like a deli slicer or something. But the ultimate impact, the ultimate action on objective was infecting all the point of sale systems, the registers at Target stores with skimmer software to steal credit cards. Credit card companies have gotten so much better at uh, detecting fraud and, and basically not putting the impact on the end user, like the credit card holder. So it, it, we don't care. We care less about it. Uh, I haven't seen this this attack to this scale in a while, so it's still out there. Don't take it off your your threat board uh, as far as like what you're concerned about. Ransomware still reigns supreme. Business email compromise still reigns supreme. But skimmers, if you're taking credit cards anywhere, be mindful of that. Also, also, um, I'm not a PCI expert, so please, if you are a PCI person, let me know in uh, chat. But I'm almost wondering if PCI would somehow control this risk from happening. Um, this would be a software-related risk and a detection of uh, implanted JavaScript, which would require the web server to be compromised. 
right? So you'd have to have a compromised web server in some capacity and then upload JavaScript code to the web server. So I think PCI would control this if, if, if access control was maintained and then auditing of access to make sure that if a malicious access went up. All right. Anyways, let's keep rolling. Yeah, exactly. Justin Gold saying that Newegg was the last one he knows of, which was 2018. This used to be, I'm telling you, this used to be like the crime of this, like the crime that was cool. It was so hot. That Hansel's so hot right now. Skimming was hot in like the 2014 to 16. The, the thing is, ransomware came on the scene, said, hold my beer, and everybody went over there, right? It's like the meme with the, the girlfriend and the attractive girl and the boyfriend looking over his shoulder. Credit card skimming is the girlfriend. And ransomware 2017 wanna cry drops is the attractive girl and the boyfriend is threat actors. Period. Moving on. No new episode of Defense in Depth today. We're taking some time off before the new. All right, Defense in Depth taking some time off. Let's go. All right, we're a couple minutes, um, a couple minutes early. So let me just tell you really quickly. I want to remind everybody. We got the new year right in front of us, but on January 4th, Wednesday, January, oh wait, the play card still says December 13th because I had to move the date, but a week from today, Thursday, during the normal Simply Cyber Live time slot, I will be hosting the quarterly State of Simply Cyber. Uh, if you're new here and you don't know what I'm talking about, here's the deal. I'm a, I'm, this is my full-time job. I'm a one-time, I'm a one, like I'm a, this is what I'm doing, okay? And I see you as my boss. I'm accountable to the Simply Cyber community, period, full stop. So every quarter, I report in on what I'm going to do next quarter. And the things I told you in the last meeting that I said I would do next quarter, I report on what I did and how I achieved those goals I told you. If you're a regular, you know that I'm constantly leveling up and putting back into Simply Cyber and doing everything I can for the channel, for the community, for... Um, all of it. But this is just an opportunity to reflect, take a step back at the macro level and get everybody um, aligned. I'll take questions. Obviously, I do uh, jaw jacking every day too. So you can ask me then. But um, I hope you can join us um, next Thursday at 4, 4 p.m. Eastern time. All right. It's going to be fun. All right. If you were here just for the news, uh, shout out to you. You made it. Well done, everybody. Love it, love it, love it. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. We got a show tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. No Simply Cyber Live today. Um, we got family coming into town. No Simply Cyber Live today. Yeah, hey, um, curious curiosity for life. I, I almost said one-man band, but I'm not really a one-man band because even though it's just me here, um, the mod team, right, dropped. I, there's an emote for it, right? I love your mod Tip your mod. Love the mods. The mods help me. Kimberly helps me. Um, like Chuck Sapp help. Like so many people help. So it's it's really more than just me. But um, but I do put a lot of me in here. Um, yeah, yeah. Alana Boyajian. Yeah. Uh, expect expect the uh, quarterly uh, decks to come out for data calls and everybody need those by cob. <laughs> All right. Hey, if, if you're here just for the news, peace out. We'll see you in a little bit later. If you guys want to hang out and do some jaw jacking, let's go. And if you don't know what jaw jacking is, just wait 30 seconds. And you're going to see what it is. I think you might like it. Be well, everybody. I'll see you next time. I'm Jerry. This is the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief. Until next time, stay secure.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to Jaw Jack, and I am your host, Jerry Guy, just coming off the hot off the heels of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. If you're new here, basically, this is just a chill kind of 30-minute community AMA. We share resources. We ask questions. Uh, I've been in the industry like 20 years. I, I, I know a couple things. Uh, definitely worth sharing. Chat over here. Whoops. Chat over here is amazing. They know a million things, too. So we're here to help each other. And until um, until I have to go back to teaching, uh, which, by the way, I think is like the second week of January. So if you've been enjoying jaw jacking every single day, uh, please hold it. Hold it with both hands and give it a hug and give it a kiss. Tell you tell it you love it because jaw jacking is going to revert back to three days a week once school starts back up again, because um, Tuesday and Thursday will be dominated. All right. Jaws will be jacked. Chris Hidalgo. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, What's up? Hey, shout out to Sweetwater. If you know, you know. Um, And just as an inside joke for everybody, I typically have issues with audio. And uh, Sweetwater sent me a really nice mug that has this logo on it as a Christmas gift. And uh, BSEC said that I should cover over the word pro um, since I always have such audio problems. Um, Okay. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, Jesse Johnson's last Slay Security Plus class is tonight. Uh, DJ Bsec will be the special guest. That's awesome. Can I get a link in chat for um, for where that is so I can share that with the community? If you guys don't know, if you're studying for Security Plus or you just want to hang out more with the Simply Cyber community, um, Jesse Johnson and a couple others have been regularly meeting and doing really, really valuable workshops on studying for Security Plus. Multiple people have shown up and then gone on to get their Security Plus. It's a good time. BSEC's going to be there tonight. He's awesome. I was at Wild West Hacking Fest. I jumped in for a hot minute with Jesse. Uh, Naturally Me asks, what am I teaching next semester? So I'm at the Cit- I teach at the Citadel Military College. If you go look at my LinkedIn, I have like five full-time jobs. I teach at the um, Citadel Military College, naturally me, and I teach in their cyber sciences department. I'll be teaching uh, Cyber 227, which is Principles of Information Security. Uh, that's the course that I typically teach. For what it's worth, the Citadel has asked me to teach um, malware analysis and a reverse engineering course, which would be a lot of fun. But um, here's the deal. I I really appreciate the Citadel and I really like being part of the Citadel family. The problem is it takes a lot of time to teach a class, a lot of time. And I don't have a lot of time. I, I'm, I'm focused on Simply Cyber. And so the most I can really do is teach one class. And that class, um, I enjoy teaching. I, I kind of, there's like six sections. I'm the leader for like all the sections and stuff. So it's perfect. Here we go. So if you would like to do Jesse Johnson's Slay Security Plus tonight with special guest. Um, here we go. Oh, this is cool. This is it, right? Oh, wait, hold on. You get to see my uh, my little thing. All right, hey, so let me share this with you because no one really sees this. This is, uh, I do this little... Um, I don't even have to read it anymore, but this is like my little script that I look at in my, um, 
in my my teleprompter here. Again, I bring it I bring it up there almost as like a a pacifier, like it's very soothing to me. And then here's another thing that most people don't know. I put this picture up every single day. This is like a, a representation of the Simply Cyber community. And when I'm looking in the camera talking to you, this is what I'm looking at. Literally, this is what I look at every single day. You, This is the Simply Cyber community. It just makes it a little bit easier. If you've ever done live streaming or vlogging, it's really awkward to talk to a camera. So I put a picture of an audience. So I'm like on stage. Plus this helps me with public speaking. And you know, I do this every day. So it, I'm very comfortable, right? So um, anyways, I guess I didn't mean for you guys to see this, but I'm not I'm not embarrassed or ashamed by it either. It just is what it is. Uh, give me one second to get the right picture. There we go. So right here is uh, Jesse Johnson Slay Security Plus. Yeah, you're not in your underwear, Sid Patton. And yeah, Simply Cyber Community is so fancy. Um, what? That Hansel's so hot right now. <laughs> Hey, go check out Jesse Johnson and uh, the Slay Security Plus team on LinkedIn. I'm going to go ahead and hit subscribe myself. Can I hit the bell for notifications? Oh, yeah. Boom. Love it. Justin Curtis saying, thank you, Jerry, and thank you, Mods, for everything you do. I love joining the show every day. Thank you very much for the super chat, Justin Curtis. And we just become best friends. Yep. We're super happy to have you every single day. Yeah, no bumba clock. Like, so that picture of the crowd, I mean, that's just one example of like one way to like level up Simply Cyber. I know it's like a small detail and you guys never saw it until just now, but like to make it more natural, to make me look in the camera more, I did that. Like right now I'm looking at um, this guy in the front row with the bow tie on. Looks like this might be Valentino, right? Marcus Kyler sitting next to him. I don't know, but it makes it more natural for me to look into the camera. Otherwise, you'll see a lot of streamers um, look in the camera for like a second and then look down at like whatever they're actually working on then look back at the camera. It's very unnatural to talk to the camera. It takes a lot of practice. All right, let's answer some questions real quick here. Um, does anyone have a good resource for a crash course on Web3 security? Uh, I do not. DeJoko is asking, anyone got any thoughts on Web3 security? Um, resources, please at Dejoko, D-E-J-O-C-O in chat. That'd be good. Uh, Gogak, and if you know, you know, QDAP, you're funny. Uh, naturally me, your brother lives in Sweetwater. That's awesome. Yeah, Sweetwater, dude, if you, here's the deal. If you are a musician, you probably already know. If you're a podcaster or anything, like this company is phenomenal. Call my, my guy, Ryan. Oh, I love Sweetwater. All right. Um, IDK says, I have been getting into the threat report late recently. Has CISO series or you talked about Xfinity breach? No, that actually was not covered. That was not covered. Um, but let me, let's do this really quick on stream. Uh, can I do this really quickly? I don't know why my screen's so like zoomed in, but anyways. Check this out. Xfinity breach. This is December 20th. Nearly 36 million hackers. Now check this out. I'm gonna I got this little chat GPT plugin. Saves me time, right? 
Just give me, like, basically asking an assistant to do a quick skim. You know there's no hallucinating because it's literally ingesting the text on the page and then ex- ex- um, extracting key things. 36 million people hit. Uh, usernames and passwords, that's not good. Look for password stuffing attacks coming out. Or credential stuffing, they call it. Citrix is vulnerable. Not good. The breach is only three days, so nice job. Xfinity for controlling that in a short amount of time. It was Citrix Bleed, which we spent so much time talking about. Uh, Citrix Bleed hasn't really been in the news too much lately. Um, TLDR here. Uh, you should. Here's the thing. It's not a good look for Xfinity. Um, if you were looking for a reason to cut the cable, do it today. Your username and password was compromised. What I would say is if you're using multi-factor authentication, less of a problem. If you're using password vaults, so you have different passwords everywhere, really, really less of a problem, like borderline no problem. And security answers, you got to be careful. I hate security questions. I hate websites that don't allow you to go through uh, without configuring these things because there's only like, I feel like there's only like 15 questions out there and they all kind of rotate. So if somebody pops a crappy website and gets your security questions, they can bypass and do uh, password resets. Again, hopefully you have multi-factor authentication. Not a good look, Xfinity. There you go. So that's a quick roundup on Xfinity uh, and how I would do it if I was in a hurry. Uh, IDK, thanks for bringing it up. Ricardo Garfalo, any recommendations for writing a first-time security talk? Ooh, good question. All right, Ricardo Garfalo on a topic we don't talk about often, but I do say, as far as professional networking goes, uh, delivering value into a network is incredibly important, and doing a first-time talk is really important. Ricardo, a couple things I'd say. One, uh, if it were me doing a first-time talk, what I would suggest is, one, uh, obviously, figure out a topic you want to talk about. Figure out something you're interested in talking about. I don't know if you've already found a conference that you want to speak at. So something like B-Sides is kind of generalized. So you could speak about anything. But a conference like um, Blue Hat, Microsoft, Blue Hat, that's more defensive focused and SOC and incident response and stuff, right? So like you obviously want to submit a CFP and deliver a talk that resonates with the audience that is going to be at the conference, first of all. Second of all, definitely do something you're comfortable with because you're already going to be nervous doing your first talk, I would I would think. So if it's your first talk and you're nervous, you want to be comfortable with the material, not something you haven't done before. Three, um, definitely develop your talk. Make sure that you're using a conference template for your PowerPoint if they have one. Four, practice your talk a couple times before you actually deliver it. Uh, get feedback. Um, you'll probably find you've got some extra slides in there you don't need. Final tip number five, if it were me, uh, first couple slides, really deliver a hook, right? The same concept with YouTube videos and stuff. Deliver a hook. Like what is the problem you're talking about in your talk? And then at a high level, what is the impact of what your talk is about to give, right? So here's a problem. And in this talk, I'm going to be delivering this. So you get this outcome then introduce yourself. A lot of people, uh, and I do this, or I used to do this, will be like, hey, here's my talk. Let me tell you about me. And the audience isn't really invested in you yet. You want them to be drawn into the talk about what is this talk? What is this value? Right? Boom, baby. Now, like, oh my God, like this sounds really cool. And what's this person do? Oh man, like their perspective on what they're about to deliver to me is fantastic. 
Also, I'm a huge fan of interesting slides. Don't do word walls. Do not do word walls. I know it's going to feel comfortable to do word walls. Do not do word walls. Um, you know, couple words most per bullet if you need to have words at all. All right. Thank you, Ricardo. Good luck. And hey, when you do do your talk, let us know so we can pump it. Tim McDonald, have you read the book Battlefield Cyber by Michael McLaughlin? I got it as a Christmas gift. No, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, but dude, uh, let's do this. Two things. One, let's bring this up. Let's bring up the book and look at it. Battlefield Cyber. Ooh. First of all, hey, love your uh, love your um, uh, cover art. I, dude, I'm a sucker for a vulnerability logo, and I'm a sucker for um, good textbook art. Also, shout out to Kimberly Can Fix It. I don't know if Kimberly's in chat, but uh, just like little insights on what we're looking at here uh, for potentially purchasing Kimberly uh, for the puppies. <laughs> Car riders. All right, this looks really cool. I don't know Michael McLaughlin. 21 reads have given it a 4.9, almost five out of it. Uh, this looks really cool. You know what? I get a new audiobook credit for the first of the month. Tell you what, Tim McDonald, you've sold me. I'm picking up this baby. Um, let me add this to my list. How do I? I still suck at adding things to lists. In here, I don't want to dox whatever these lists are called. So I'm adding it right now to my list. Boom. Also, thank you, um, Tim. Also, final thing I want to share with everybody. Uh, I've been reached out to by uh, Christina. Uh, Paulika, who is a longtime Simply Cyber community member, uh, helped helped with organizing the Simply Cyber meetup in Vegas. So if you enjoyed that last year, um, throw throw some uh, love Christina's way. She's offered to help uh, the community by managing like an official book club, bookstore, uh, book references. A lot of people ask on the channel, like, have you read books? Any book recommendations? So on the Simply Cyber IO website, we're going to have a special page just for the books and Christina is going to help manage that. So now we'll have a, a resource we can just go to every single time. Nerman with the uh, super chat. Can we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks, Nerman. Hey, Dr. Osher just signed up for the exposure management free course. I also signed up for a bug bounty program on Hacker One. You go, man. All right. Hey, also, since he mentioned it, um, if you didn't know, um, I made this course. I, I, basically, I got paid a flat rate to make this course. This course is free. Uh, it's delivered by XM Cyber. It is on cyber threat exposure management. You get five CPEs for taking it. It is free. It's I designed the course. I teach the course, all the curriculum. all Everything in this course is me. They, they stepped aside and I did everything and then they cut me a check and I walked away. If you want to get uh, taught by me for $0, Giddy up on this. I think it's a great course. A lot of people have said a lot of really nice things about this course. Uh, shout out. Thanks so much. Go check that out. Link in the description below. Look at this. You get a Credly badge. You get an assert. You get CPA credits. Just up here delivering value. No big deal. All right. Uh, <clears throat> All right, I'm, I'm kind of way behind on the chats here. 
All right, so <clears throat> CJ, uh, again, CJ, another longtime member, and um, I'm a big fan of. CJ picked me up at the airport. Thank you, CJ, again for that. I always appreciated that. Jerry, the podcast security now did a podcast about AirTag stocking. Apple and Google are making strides over the issue. If you want to know more, it's worth the listen. Oh, thanks so much. <clears throat> How do we... Uh... All right, hold on one second. We got a couple things going in. Um... Hold on, we got a couple things going on here. So, Security Now, Podcast, AirTag, Google, Stalking. Hold on, I'm, I'm doing this like in real time. Um, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to find this uh, podcast. I need a link. I, I don't know how to find the podcast, so... Uh, but it'd be worth checking out. Um, really quickly, Ricardo, it looks like um, Josh Mason has provided his, uh, his his conference talk link. There we go. So this is a resource. I dropped a link in chat. I don't know why the links aren't uh, looking like they're clickable. But Ricardo, again, this is a um, this is a resource provided by Josh Mason. Um, I don't know. It's his conference taught notebook. So there is some some value in here for you to... Uh, I haven't reviewed this. I don't know what I'm showing you online, but I trust Josh Mason. And he said it's a good resource for conference talk development. So let's go. All right, let's keep going. Oh man, the questions are coming in hot. Oh, thank you very much, BSEC. Uh, all right, so BSEC just provided this link and this is uh, CJ's recommendation. It's popping me to do Spotify. I'm not going to do that. Here we go. And this is the security new pot. What episode is the one for the air tags? I need to know what episode. Okay, cool. Um, going back to chat. Uh, Dave Robbins says, if you're a target for Pegasus, does that mean all other vulnerabilities are insignificant because you're already potentially exposed? Um, no, I mean, David Robinson, I wouldn't, you know, it's all about threat modeling, right? I mean, like you, you wouldn't say like, you wouldn't ignore all risks just because you're worried about like ransomware, right? Like you, you the end of the day is you want to have like comprehensive defense in depth type things. Um, if you are a real, uh, threat for Pegasus, like, you know, you're, I don't know, like president of the United States or whatever, um, Apple does have built-in hardening capabilities that kind of prevent Pegasus, I've heard. It does limit functionality, um, but you still don't want to... Like, a threat actor dropping Pegasus on you is scary, but, like, you could still fall for a phishing email or something like that, right? So, like, you do want to have defense in depth. It's just... I don't know. Uh, Chris Hidalgo's talking about Toastmasters channel on Discord. I'd be willing to entertain that, Chris Hidalgo. I just want to know like we'd have to figure out what that logistically looks like so it gets some uh some traction luke canfield likes the idea so um glum hippo hold on so we, we could totally do a toastmasters one i know james mcquiggan at thirty-five thousand feet is also uh big on toastmasters it's an idea i'll tell you what i'll tell you what luke and chris and um community I've got a lot going on right now, like a lot going on right now. Like in the next couple of weeks, I'm trying to launch Cyber 101. I'm dealing with some supply chain issues. 
I've, I've got a new podcast launching next week. I haven't even talked about. I've got the quarterly meeting. I've got New Year's. We have family in town. I have family. Um, I'm trying to dad it up and take less time uh, in December. Like there's a lot going on. So I could just create the Toastmaster channel. But like like anything else, just creating something and pushing it out isn't good. You have to, anything you take action on, you need to care and nurture and, and facilitate its growth. So I can't take on Toastmaster right now. If someone else wants to, that's cool. Uh, shout out to Glum Hippo with a super chat. We just become best friends. Yep. Hey, uh, and Glum Hippo, keeping up the resilience. I see that 200. Should we say uh, service status code okay <laughs> uh, for the 200? All right. Question, what are your best recommendations for acquiring clientele for cyber consulting services? Will Reed. Will Reed, longtime uh, member, always smashing that like button. Thanks, Will. Um, so for client acquiring client consulting services, what I would say, Will, um, is two things. One, obviously work within your network. Two, go, I'll tell you a quick answer, Will, and then I'll give you insights into how you could develop a better answer. Um, if you can get in front of someone or talk to someone and ask them like, oh man, like, you know, did you see this story about XYZ or, you know, oh my gosh, can you imagine getting uh, your credentials stolen or falling for phishing email? Do you see these things, right? Like kind of bring it up as a topic of discussion relatable. And then you could say, hey, I do it. Now here's the part that's gonna be tricky. You could actually say, hey, you know what? Like I'm actually um, doing consulting and I'm trying to actually uh, build up a little bit of a client base. Would you be okay with this? And this is the key, Will. Hey, can I come and um, either do a gap analysis for you do a quick risk assessment, look at your O365 and make sure that you're protected from phishing emails or something, whatever it is, for absolutely $0 for free. All I'd ask is that if you, if you like what I did, you give just a testimonial, right? So basically to get the flywheel spinning, Will, you're gonna have to do a little bit of free work and build up that um, social proof and the, the authority that other people have used your services and had a positive experience, two things are going to happen. One, you can then start using that to establish yourself as a consulting service that other businesses who don't know you will look at and say, oh, this is legit. Second of all, if you kick a, sorry, Kennedy, if you kick butt, then the business that you just helped, just do an over the top, over deliver job for those businesses for free. When they go to the rotary meeting or they're talking to other business people, they're naturally going to say, oh, man, like if they, if someone says like, oh my God, we, we got hacked or whatever, they'll be like, I know a guy, I know Will Reed. Will Reed does my cybersecurity. I'll put you in contact. And at that point, you've got a hot referral and you're walking in with like, oh man, yeah, I'd love to help you. Um, you know, here are my rates or like, here's what I can do for you, right? That That's what I would do. Um the final thing, Will, I would say is check out Alex Hermosi. I know he's like spammed all over social media, but he's really, really good at talking about leads and offers and sales and stuff like that. I've, I've actually got his book um, and it's 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 ba it's like really easy uh, to consume. Like it, he's not trying to overcomplicate or overengineer. It's really well done. All right. So Jesse Johnson, Pegasus equals journalists, political politicians. Yep. Um... All right, where are we at here? 924. Let me look outside, see what the weather's like here. It's a little overcast in the low country, but that's okay. Check out the calendar. Good. All right. 
I got a couple things I got to knock out. Recording the final final videos for um, recording the final videos for um, oh my god, Cyber One Hundred One. Oh, by the way, I saw everybody's chats around uh, blended versus uh, separated for the uh, lectures versus on-site videos for the uh, risk assessment course. I will be doing a blended one. Thank you, everybody, for your inputs on that. Um, Becky Gaylord says, Jason Blanchard has talked about an online Toastmasters group with InfoSec people. Pretty sure in one of his videos, also interested. All right. So, I mean, guys, if if some here's the deal. I will absolutely help support and facilitate a Simply Cyber Community Toastmasters. I will do whatever I can to help you. Um, I have some money I can help fund if there's some like funding element associated with it. Uh, I just can't lead it. I am too busy. Um, but if somebody wants to, if someone's got the flexibility and the passion to want to at least kickstart a um, Toastmasters for Simply Cyber Community or whatever, even if it's an initial pilot, tell me who you are and I will absolutely coordinate and work directly with you and get it up and running, whether it's a Discord channel, whether it's telling everybody on stream that, hey, this Thursday at 2 p.m. is like whatever, holler at me and uh, we'll we'll get it done. If like Chris Whitlock and Chris Young have been kind of coordinating on the GRC study hall, same thing. I, like, let's go. Simply Cyber is a community. That's what I'm up here doing. I'm it, I'm facilitating. I mean, I also help deliver. Josh Mason said he's in uh, on helping facilitate. So thanks, Josh Mason. Yeah, we we've got you. If the here's the deal. At the end of the day, and this is this is a fact. If the community wants it, we will do what we can as the moderators of the community to help deliver on that. We're not up here telling you what you want. We're up here listening to what do you need? What do you need? And let's help you get it. That's the difference of what we're doing here. All right. Maybe here's the deal. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Um, let's figure out a good place for this. Uh, cyber work. All right, ho hold on to that, Josh Mason. I want to create a Discord channel so can, we can at least talk about it and get some coordination going. Uh, I don't think it goes under Love Fusion Center. I think it would go under... What category would this go under? I guess general. Chat and chill. I feel like it's more not chat and chill. All right. Tentatively, we're going to put it under Love Fusion Center. Okay. Here, here we go. Create a channel. Let's do the microphone. Okay. And Toastmaster, uh, SC or Toastmaster, Toastmasters. Okay. And I'll put Toastmasters SC just so, you know, we all know what we're talking about here. Create channel. Okay. Look at, how do I do this? I've just created, oh, it's only sharing that screen. Hold on one second. Okay, look, I just created this. Okay, 
inside of the Love Fusion Center. Whoops. Bro. Inside the Love Fusion Center, which is right here, there's a Toastmasters SC, which is right here. Anyone can be able to access this. I don't know what Luke Canfield's name is. Um, but let's get started and we'll see where it goes, okay? And it, hey, if, you, if we move it offline to some Toastmasters website or whatever, let's do that and we can destroy the... Um, the, the channel, right? Like, like let's do this and see where it goes. And if it fails, then we'll just close it and move on. Okay. Very cool. Thanks for the idea. Let's rock. All right. Going back up to mod chat. All right. Um, yeah. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So Lagrade, I call it love fusion center because well, two, two, okay, so two things. One, it's called Love Fusion Center because it's basically, we're, we all are cyber people, but we have other passions. We like to cook. We like to play video games. We like to play chess, whatever. So the Love Fusion Center is that place for people who are in the community to collaborate and coordinate on things that are not cyber related. Second of all, I know people are super amped up and want to just run headlong into things. Believe me, I get it. I just want to remind people I've, I've, I've gotten like ideas are easy. Execution is hard. So running head first into a, a new initiative is wicked awesome. And there's tons of excitement in the first beginning, but seeing it through and making it grow and blossom is a lot of work. Like uh, example, simply CyberCon. simply CyberCon was a great idea and everybody was super amped about it to start. And we delivered on Simply CyberCon and everyone had a great experience, but it was a lot of work. There were a lot of people involved, lots of meetings, lots of time. It, it was a lot. So like, I'm super with everybody, but I just want to be conservative and pragmatic about moving forward, right? Okay. All right, guys. Um Final thoughts. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get going. I know. Um, I got a couple things to do, and um, the kids got some. Uh, it's been raining pretty hard here the last couple days, and the the kids got some uh, outdoor uh, Christmas gifts, and they have been hungry to unleash fury on my street. So. Yes. All right, guys. You guys are straight crushing it. I love it. Today is Thursday. This has been jawjacking. So good. Be well, Alana. Oh my God, Lagrat. <laughs> Kimberly, you're a mod. You didn't know we had the Love Fusion Center? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let me just tell you what's in the Love Fusion Center, okay? We got movies love, MMA love, craft beer love, hey, wine love, music love. I'm not allowed in there. I wear this Sweetwater shirt and I'm like knocking on the door of the music love uh, Discord channel, but they still won't let me in. Uh, running love, I'm in there. I started that one because I love running. Cooking, book club, games lobby, gear swap if you want to swap gear. Fur baby love if you're big on dogs and animals and pets. Lock picking. And now Toastmaster. 
So giddy up, get in the Love Fusion Center. We are a community. Thanks, Silent Hawk. I do take pride in quality and delivering on quality. It it super, super irritates me when something is not done. Uh, qual- if, if I do something that's not quality. But I mean, at the same time, I'm not going to let perfection get in the way of progress, right? I do a lot of things that are not high quality. Um, and I just try like when I showed you my screen and you saw my that you saw the audience I'm looking at right now. I mean, that's whatever. Hey, Christina, I was telling people about the book club uh, earlier. We're going to get into that, too. Whew. All right, guys, I got to get out of here. Everybody have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time for the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing final of the week. We'll get James McQuiggan's uh, or Grayson's Joke of the Week presented by James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. I'm Jerry, your chat. Until next time, y'all, stay secure. And thank you. If you enjoyed that content, keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.